Good morning. It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. A beautiful day. Uh, also, it is this day is your last opportunity to uh, come see Tom Sawyer, and you should. It's a delightful show. Uh, and even though it is mainly constructed for the entertainment of young people, I hope for that reason that adults will not shun it because it's also uh, created to remind you of what it's like to be young and what you were once like and the things that you once did and what strange enterprises that you engaged in uh, before, before you got old and sour. <laughs> yeah, so anyway, yeah, I encourage you to come. Three, 3.30 today. Uh, and then this Wednesday, uh, we're having a churchwide picnic, which for some strange reason seems to be always better attended than regular Wednesday night services. But a churchwide picnic up at uh, Hilltop Park, 6 o'clock. Bring a, bring a dish, as they say. And uh, as I said, I'm bringing Margaret, so... That's covered. <laughs> okay, uh, but uh, there will be uh, there will be hamburgers and hot dogs and and uh, pulled pork, so that'll be available. But bring something else. Um, yeah, for sure. Would you stand with me and let's read passage from Ephesians chapter five? Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body. But they feed and care for their body, just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, And the wife must respect her husband. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the life that's in your word, for the power that's in your word, for the light that's in your word. Thank you for the presence of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come and touch us. Uh, Come and and rock our world. Come and give us eyes to see and, and ears to hear. Help us to be open to change. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. What you won't be hearing about today, let me just start off with that. Some of you will be disappointed because I do not plan 
to uh, address the current political issues surrounding marriage. Uh, because if I spend a while ranting about the current uh, political issues surrounding marriage, that is going to help you in your present marriage how? Like not at all. And what I would like to do is help you in your present marriage or those of you who are going to get married. It's in particular important that, that you're here today and that you listen to this. Uh, I, I often dis- dis- discover that most of the time when people complain about what's not being covered or when they're complaining about what other people are doing, it's really just a, a, a smokescreen to distract from the fact that they aren't doing what has been covered. It's not my brother or my sister. It's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Now, uh, not everybody here is married. Some of you are married. Most of you probably. But uh, some of you are going to be married someday. Uh, and so this is for you. Some of you uh, have been married and um, maybe either through uh, death or divorce are not married now. And maybe you're going to get married again and maybe you're not going to get married again. But even if you're not going to get married again or you're never going to get married you're going to know somebody who's married. And information is good to have. Correct information is good to have. So this is really for everybody today. And uh, yeah, I, I covered this about 15 months ago. Um, and because we were doing a series at that point on drenched living and, and uh uh, drenched living and a family came up, and marriage was one of the things that was covered. Prior to that, it was uh, it was almost ten years ago. In fact, it was July of '06, the last time that I that I covered marriage. Um, I will be saying much the same thing today that I said 15 months ago, maybe in a little different way, but much the same thing. And I'm sure that it was the same thing that I said almost ten years ago. Um, now, some of you may go, "Well, we've heard this before." No, you haven't. You were just here. I've discovered that on a really good day, on a really good day, when you say something very important and you emphasize it to the utmost, maybe 5%, I don't know, 3%, 5%, let's, that's, that's easier to deal with. Maybe 5% actually hear it and take it to heart. It, it, it takes a while. You have to hear something Often, you have to hear something more than once before it, before it sinks in and gets there. So we're, we're, we're going to be doing this today. Um, and first of all, I want to talk about the, the ground rules for marriage because uh, they actually are, are a lot. But ground rules are important in defining what a successful marriage is. When I was a kid, <clears throat> we used to play baseball out in the yard, and we rarely had enough people to actually make out well, nine aside, normally we didn't even have nine, but we so we'd set up certain ground rules, uh, such as um, you know a five run limit or something, or anything hit to right field is an out, you know, or something like that. Now that's not the rules of baseball, but it was our rules, our ground rules, and it defined success or failure in, in certain situations. Uh, marriage has had a lot of ground rules throughout the years because actually the biblical definition of marriage is pretty simple and, and pretty generic. Uh, and so ground rules have often been added to it in pre-revolutionary France 
Marriage had absolutely nothing whatsoever to do with, with love, even though this was France, for crying out loud, or anything to do with fidelity or anything like that. Uh, it was all about uh, uh, property and title and, and social status. And if a marriage brought you acquisition of those things and produced a suitable heir, it was a successful marriage. And you may go, well, now that's certainly a sub-Christian idea. Actually, these were Christians, basically all. Uh, they wouldn't have viewed themselves as being sub-Christian whatsoever. But that was, that was the, the ground rules in those days. In many places of the world today, uh, marriage is essentially a, a contract. Uh, she does this, he does that. If she gets that done right and he gets that done right, it's a successful marriage. And that's, that's, how, it's, that's how it's defined. In other places in the world today, marriage is very much a, akin to slavery. And you don't have to buy a passport to discover those places. In fact, you probably don't have to leave the church some places to discover those places because of the kind of teaching that is done about what marriage is. Uh, We're not talking about any of these today. These are not our ground rules. What we want to talk about today is a successful Christian marriage, biblical marriage. Biblically, uh, based on what Paul is talking about here. A few marriages in our culture are actually interested in being Christian marriages. Most marriages in our culture would like to adopt that name and put it on it, but they're not really interested in being a Christian marriage. A Christian marriage is not defined by where the marriage takes place. Just, just because you have the marriage in a, in, a, in a church building does not necessarily make it a Christian marriage by any means. It is not even defined by the ceremony that takes place. When I was younger, which was actually just two minutes ago, but I mean, you know, when I was when I was a lot younger, when I was first starting out in uh, in, in the ministry, uh, virtually anybody who came to me and said, you know, will you do our wedding? I'd go yes, and I was thinking. You know, this would give me an opportunity to be involved in their lives. You know, even if they're not really walking with the Lord, even though, even if some stuff might be suspect, you know, I'll do this because it'll let me speak into their lives. And it did until the wedding happened. And then poof, they were gone. And I discovered that I really wasn't speaking into their lives. I was just speaking. And they happened to be in the room. While I was speaking. So now that I've gotten older, and you could either say uh, more cynical and crusty, or you could say wiser. <laughs> and you'd probably be correct on both of those counts if you put that together. Now that I've gotten older, uh, I, I, I don't jump on that quite. I don't use that as a rationale so much anymore for saying, yes, I will do your wedding. But because there, there are times, now sometimes I'll do it even if I know that the couple maybe isn't where they ought to be because, you know, I know the family and I love the family and I want to cover the family. You know, I'll, I'll do that. But there are times when I just go, I just want to say, why do you want a Christian ceremony? Why, why, why do you want one? Is, is it to make mommy feel better or impress uncle 
or your rich uncle who gives gifts? Or, you know, wh- why is it? Because I know that it doesn't really mean that much to you. So it's not the ceremony. Now, uh, the ceremony will bring the church's blessings to the marriage, but it doesn't make it a Christian marriage. Only the couple can make it a Christian marriage. Uh, In fact, a Christian marriage has nothing to do with the day of the wedding. It's what happens after the day of the wedding that determines if it's a Christian marriage or not. As I said, the basic formula is very simple. Um, We read it in Ephesians, but it was quoted from Genesis 2.24. A man leaves his father and mother and is united with his wife, and they they become one flesh. That's actually, that's pre-Christian. you get right down to it, which it's, it's the biblical marriage formula universally. The time comes when uh, you leave one home and a new home is started. That's, that's what it is. It's been done for millenniums with varying degrees of success under different ground rules. But today I want to address Christian ground rules. Now, those of you who were here 15 months ago, maybe this will this may tweak your memory because I'm going to use it again. Before we, before we actually go there, because, and this is actually germane to it, my question is, is Bill Gates a genius? Yeah? Yeah? Okay, we got one yes and a lot of abstentions, I'm going to, I'm going to guess. Uh, <clears throat> but yeah, he probably is, and I think most people would say that he is, but not for the reasons, he's not really a genius for the reasons that... Uh, that most people would think. I mean, he really didn't write much code. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not taking a, a smack here, but Microsoft code really never was the best anyway. That's not the genius of what he did. Uh, he, he's kind of a genius in the same way that, that Henry Ford was a genius, and Henry Ford didn't build many cars. Uh, now, when I was in school, I was taught that, that Ford was a genius because he invented the uh, the assembly line, which is only partially true. The assembly line was already happening, but that wasn't his genius either. His genius was the ridiculous, crazy idea that if you actually paid people a living wage, they could afford to buy a car. Okay. Uh, just, just I, I know it works the other way now, but anyway, his idea was you give people more money, they might spend it. You know, that was genius. Bill Gates' genius was in recognizing that not only was the real money in software rather than in the other, but he hooked himself up to a big old fat company named IBM who didn't recognize where the real money was. And, And he also discovered that if you made the operating system that people were using, then people would assume that anything else you made would work better with that operating system. And so, you know, Excel and... Um, Word and, and all these other things be, begin to, to flow, and, and Bob, you know, all, all these other things begin to, to flow into their, to their operating system and people just spent money. And I heard an interview with Gates one time where he made, where he mentioned something that just, just black, just screamed out loud in my spirit. And what he did was he said, what we have here is a positive feedback spiral. The more successful we are, the more success we have. And the more success we have, the more successful we are. And the more successful we are, the more success we have. And it just, and it just spiraled and kept growing and growing. That's not what we're used to in the world. We are used to negative feedback spirals. That's how the world tends to operate, is negative feedback spirals. I was listening to an interview 
this last week with a young man who uh, uh, was, his life's very interesting. He's a, he's a Palestinian young man, and he, uh, and he runs a travel company that has a, that has a unique perspective on things. He, he sets up uh, trips to, um, uh, to Israel and, and, uh, and Palestine, and he, he sets these trips up, and when you go, uh, you always have two tour guides everywhere you go. One is Israeli and one is Palestinian. And they each give their perspective on history and the things that are happening. And he, and he, and the, where he came up with this was when he was 11, uh, his brother, who I think was two years older than him, had been taken by some Israeli soldiers for throwing rocks. And, uh, for three weeks, they finally beat a confession out of him that he did throw rocks. And then a year later, he died because of the injuries he had received in his beatings. Needless to say, this young man was rather disturbed by this and grew up basically going, I hate these people. I want them to feel the pain I felt until he went to, uh, to learn Hebrew because you had to learn it to really be able to get ahead. And when he did, he discovered that these were just people. And that once you actually sat down and talked with them, that you found out you had a lot in common with them. And he thought, you know, if people could come over here and, and, find, and not just stay on one side or the other, but actually interact with other people, maybe something good could happen. See, the world is full of negative feedback spirals. You kill my brother, I want to kill your brother. You tear down my house, I want to tear down your house. And we get this, we get this notion somehow that if we kill enough brothers and tear down enough houses, that peace will come. How stupid is that? That's a negative feedback spiral, and it happens all over the world in so many different places, in so many different ways it's acted out. But that's not how the kingdom of God works. The kingdom of God works is just the opposite. Reverse that thing. The father loves the son and exalts him. The son obeys the father in everything that he says and exalts him. The Holy Spirit exalts the Father and the Son. The Son says, you can blaspheme me and the Father, but don't say anything about the Holy Spirit. You know, they, there's, this, there's this positivity that's going on between them throughout eternity. And it's made available to us in Christian marriage. It is intended to be a positive feedback spiral. And it and it's much more powerful and much more important than, than, than money and health and looks and all these other things if, if we just will obey. And it's simple. There are three simple, there are three simple rules. It starts out with this. The, the, the basis is the foundation. And the foundation is submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. That's it. That's, that's, that's where it starts. Now the question... That's the basis for, for, Christian, for Christian marriage. And the, 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 I guess the question might arise, well, can others find this positive feedback through, through marriage even if they don't know Christ? Yes, they can. They can. If you don't have a car, you can still go to Memphis. Don't know why you'd want to, but you, you, could, you, could, you could still go to Memphis. You might even have a good reason for doing it. You know, it's, just, it's just a little harder. But here's the thing. When Christ is a center... 
you know, we're talking about Christians now. When Christ is the center of, of, of your marriage, then nothing can really shake it. That wonderful guy. Now, I'm going to talk to y'all because they already know this because they've been married. That wonderful guy, that beautiful gal, that, oh my goodness. There will be times, hours, days, weeks, seasons, when they will be not wonderful and not, and not beautiful. And I'm not talking about, uh, I'm not just talking about, you know, um, halitosis and bad hair days. I, I'm, I'm talking about truly not wonderful. Uh, maybe even, you know, that, that kind of thing. There, there, guys, there are days when she, she does have claws. And there are days when they, you know, and, 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 and gals, <laughs> he's a lug. Okay, I mean, you know, every guy is a, deep down inside, under, under the shaved exterior and everything. We're all Neanderthals. Seriously, when you get right down to it. Can I get a witness? Okay, you see? Uh, there, there, there it is. Yeah. And so if you're counting on him or you're counting on her to be the foundation for your life, you're in for it serious train wreck. But if Jesus Christ is a sinner, and He is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and He is wonderful yesterday, today, and forever. And He he is perfect yesterday, today, and forever. I I think, you know, that song that we opened with, uh, Sovereign Over Us, there, there, there are two lines in it that just destroy me. And one of them is, you have not forgotten us. You have not forgotten us. Oh, my goodness. But the other one is perfect in love. Perfect in love. And so when, you, when the center of your life, when the foundation for your relationship is perfect in love, even when your love, his love, her love isn't perfect, his love is. And so you're, 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 able, you're able to endure you know, there are those who make a, a great deal out of the instruction for wives to submit, and, and I'm getting ready to be one of them. Uh, but a Christian marriage starts with this. Both members submitted unto Christ. That's, that's, that's the foundation. That's the, that's the glue that makes the thing work. Both are submitted to a higher authority. Both are submitted to a higher calling in love than we can ever reach. But it's there, and it's what they're submitted to. So, here are the simple instructions. Piece of cake. Everybody can remember it easily, quickly. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. Barbie, uh, every time I preach about this, she says, man, I'm glad it's you. Uh, But it's easy. You know, I I don't have any trouble teaching this. There's a lot of kickback on this point today, in today's world, and the fault isn't with the women. I mean, men have been so abusive and unfair to women throughout all history and every culture and every place and every time. It's a wonder that they can stand us at all. It's a wonder that they let us live in their world, quite frankly. It's just, that's just the way that it is. Uh, when you're bigger and stronger, you got this bully thing going on that, that unless you fight against it, 
And most of us don't. It's just there. Nevertheless, this is, this is the key to creating a positive feedback spiral. And it should be the easiest role in Christian marriage. And it is essential. See, marriage is not a democracy. The one thing you never hear God say in the Word, and the one thing you will never hear the Holy Spirit say to you is, why don't we take a vote on that? God is not interested in taking a vote on things. And besides that, you can't have a democracy with two people. Because they either have to be totally in in agreement, or they are not. And if they're not, then you're, you're totally, you're left with a mess. And flash, there will be times when you don't agree. (laughs) And if you're going to stay together, there's a constant tension for somebody to give in. Now, uh, I better say more than that. Uh, so, I mean, the only other thing you can do, I mean, there's a couple other things you can do. You can, you, can, you can just go your separate ways, or you can keep score. It was your turn last time, now it's my turn. No, wait a minute, you forgot that time. No, no, uh, that, we didn't, that wasn't, that didn't count. You know, it, it, you got the last one, it's my turn to get this one. You know, I, where does that go, quite frankly? Uh, and so uh, God just came in and went, this is how it's done. Now, he could have made it a lot more complicated. You know, he could have said, it's the smartest one. How do you figure that out? You know, what is smarter, a cat or a dog? I know, but, you know, some of you people don't know. Some of you people have a wrong opinion of that. Uh, and... Or he could have said it's the prettiest one. Well, that'd be pretty easy to figure out, but he didn't say that. He could have said it's the strongest one. That normally would be pretty easy to figure out. He didn't say that. He said this. He said this, and he will bless this. You, you know, and so here's, here's the thing, and there's probably some over here too, but gals, or any, yeah, gals, women, any of you who are not married and think you may be someday, if you're not prepared to do this with that man, Don't do anything else with him. And for sure, don't marry him. Oh, but he's so wonderful. That's what you're signing on for. It it really is. And so if you, if you, when you're, when you're looking and you're evaluating, do I say yes or no? Then you need to understand this is the, this is the question you've got to answer. Is this somebody whose leadership I can follow for the rest of my life? That's, that's what it is. And, you know, he, if, he's, if, he's, if he's dumb, he better be real good looking. <laughs> for a long, long time. Now, the only exception, the only, the only out on this is, it, is this is as unto the Lord. So, I mean, you know, if he makes, if he, if he's trying to make a decision or do something that is clearly contradictory to, to the word of God, clearly contradictory, then yes, you, then you've got, you don't have to follow that. In fact, don't follow that. But, 
there are a lot of things, there are a lot of things in life where he's going to, you know, where he's going to, to make this decision. And it might not be the decision that you would make. And unless it clearly is something that goes against the word of God, you don't have the right to pull the card out and say, God doesn't want that. No, that's just you talking. So this is, this is important. This is, this is news you can use. It doesn't mean you don't discuss it. It doesn't mean she isn't heard. I mean, if he's got a brain in his head, you will discuss it and, and, and she will be heard. But we're going to get to that. In fact, we're going to get to that right now. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Submitting is a piece of cake. And it's why so many men default to that position themselves. Loving your wives is not just learning how to say, yes, dear. As important as that phrase is. And it is important. That's what Adam said. And if your idea of being a husband is just being able to say, yes, dear, all the time, you're doing her job. You're doing what she was called to do rather than what you've been called to do. When, whenever I, I talk to couples uh, uh, before performing a ceremony, and, and oftentimes I'll, uh, I'll ask, you know, do you want to use traditional intentions or traditional vows? And, you know, most of the time they say yes. There's two, two things. One is love, honor, and obey. That's traditional. For the woman on the, on the on the man's side, I don't I don't even give him a choice uh, because traditional to me anymore isn't love, honor, and cherish. Cherish is an old song by the association, but the what what I say is love, honor, and lay down your life for her because that's what you're signing on for. And if she's not worth laying down your life for her, you don't need to marry her. You you really don't. We we think love has when it says love your wives, we think love has something to do with with the way someone looks, and that's just stupid. I mean, attraction has something to do with the way one looks, and there's you know maybe something there when when it comes to, but that's not love. Love is a, is a choice, and it isn't easy because it requires putting someone else first. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Jesus so loved the Father that he obeyed him and went to the cross because he loved him. Love, love requires that kind, of, that kind of commitment. You're committing to, to spending the rest of your life making your decisions based after God's will, making your decisions based on what's best for her, not what's best for me. You, you have now intentionally put yourself in second place in your life. And the degree to which you are able to keep that commitment is the degree to which you will be successful as a biblical husband. I don't care how many times you go to church. I don't, know how, I don't care how often you read the Bible. I don't care how many worship songs you learn how to sing or how high you can lift your hands, or how well you can dance. If you don't do this, you're not a successful biblical Christian husband. Because that's what a biblical Christian husband does. Loves his wife, lays down his life for her. 
Nobody bats a thousand. Just don't ask Margaret. Uh, because I can tell you right now, you don't have to ask her. Nobody, nobody bats a thousand. I'm not, I'm not trying to make anybody feel bad, but I'm just trying to recalibrate what our, what our, our vision is for what it is that we're trying to do as husbands and wives. And you know what? Sometimes, sometimes you have to say no. Sometimes that's the best thing. And when, and when, when you're willing to do that, one of the things that does is that sets her free to just have all kinds of goofy ideas. Yeah, yeah, there you go. I mean, she can, she can, hey, let's do this or let's do that. You know, kind of, and, and you know, and she doesn't have to worry about it because if it's a bad idea and it gets approved, it's your fault. And it is. It is. So there, there's sometimes you've got to learn to say no, but then when you say yes, you can do it with joy instead of with resignation. Not yes, dear. Yes, dear. And Paul spends several verses pounding this home with to, uh, to, to men, uh, not only because it's harder, but because he means it and because we're so thick-headed. And he just keeps saying it and he keeps pounding it and keeps pounding it and he means it. And this, this is how it works. And so uh, this positive feedback spiral gets created when a woman has a man who truly loves her and, and, and she knows it. Beyond any doubt, not just because, you know, he buys roses and stuff like that, but because he actually lays down his life for her, then she's not going to have any trouble submitting to such a man. She's not going to have any trouble going, yes, dear, you know, herself going, yeah, I'll go there. Uh, but, but even beyond that, she is empowered. You know, when I say, when I say she, can, she can have all the crazy ideas she wants to have, sometimes those crazy ideas are wonderful. Sometimes they're magnificent. You know, and, she, and it, it empowers her. It empowers her to be able to, 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 to step out and be, be all that she can be. You know, and, and uh, whether, whether that's at, at, at home or whether that's at church or whether that's in, in a career or whatever it may happen to be. You know, when you see, when I look at a marriage and I see a, a situation where you got a, 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 a woman who is strong and successful and you got a man who is strong and successful, I go, ah, this is what's happening. This is what's going on. Fulfilled. So yeah, I mean, she's, she's, she's empowered. She feels secure. And, and I don't necessarily mean secure like, oh, the little woman. You, you know, I mean, that, that's nice too. But I mean, secure in that love is empowering. And, and a man who, who knows she's with me, that empowers him. He's secure. Back in uh, the, the fall of uh, 1984, I, I went to Margaret and said, we're moving to Zimbabwe. We're going to sell everything that we have, and we're going to buy plane tickets, and we're going to go live in Africa. And you should have seen her face. <laughs> now, God changed it fairly quickly. In fact, he changed it that, that very, well, within 24 hours. But uh, I knew 
that even if the expression didn't change, she was with me. She'd do it. How empowering that is to to a man. How how secure. A a woman like that, the, the scripture says she's worth far more than rubies. His heart trusts in her. She brings him good all the days of his life. Whew. That's worth that's worth something. And the more he lays down his life for her, the more willing she is to submit to him. The more she submits to him, the more willing he is to lay down his life for her. The, and it creates a positive feedback spiral, and they both become something better than they could have been. I'm not saying that marriage is for everyone. Over in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, Paul you know, I, it says, I, I wish all of you were like me. I wish all of you were, were single. You have more time to serve the Lord. Yeah, well, that's what Paul wants. But for most people, marriage is, is, is what happens. And, and God's ground rules are simple. They're, they're, there's nothing complicated about what I've just said. They're simple and, 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 and they're wonderful. So, well, now what? But what if... You know, what if I got in a marriage and it wasn't like that? What if, you know, maybe our marriage is a shambles right now? Or or if I got in a marriage and, and it's over now, it just didn't work. What? Pick up the pieces. Pick up the pieces. God is a redeemer. He, he didn't just come to redeem us from the fires of hell. Came to redeem our entire lives. He came to, to, to redeem our brokenness. He came to redeem our failures. He, he came, he, he came to take the pieces and, and put them back together and, ma- and make them useful again. God's, God's not through with you. He, he hasn't totally rejected you. And I know that there are people who will teach that too. It's ridiculous. I'll tell you something else that's ridiculous. I just want to say one more thing. I know I'm going a little bit long this morning, but I'm almost done. Uh, you know, when, when we do marriage vows and, and I say, you know, love, honor, lay down your life for her, keep yourself only unto her for as long as you both shall live, you know, that, that sort of thing. We, when we get into marriage, we then act like the only way to break a marriage vow is sexually. That wasn't the only thing you promised. That wasn't the only vow you made. The whole package is there. And if you'll take care of the rest of the package, then that last part will get, it'll get taken care of too. I promise you it will. Marriage is a powerful, wonderful thing. You've got no control over what others do. You have no control over who others marry or how they marry or, or what they call marriage. You've only got control over yourself and what happens in your life. And the instructions are clear. They're just as simple as they can possibly be. Overarching for everyone, submit to one another under Christ. If you want to have a Christian marriage, uh, wives, allow your husbands to lead. Wait, wait a minute, I thought it said submit. Allow your husbands to lead. That's, that's the same thing. And oftentimes, you know, well, it's, it's not that I'm not allowing him to lead. He, it's just that he's wrong. Allow your husbands to lead. Husbands, love your wives and accept the burden of leadership. Leadership is a privilege, yes, but it's also a burden. It is a weight to be carried. It is a responsibility. And when this happens, when these things happen, it's good, isn't it, Rodney, Brenda? Yeah. 
That's right. Y'all went to Hawaii on your 40th? Margaret and I are going to Ireland on our 40th. And, it, and it's coming up this year. Woohoo! Yes. Ah, the jolly people. Yes. You can make it. You can make it. It's a wonderful, beautiful thing. Would you stand with me? <laughs> I don't know why I did that. <laughs> Would those who go to pray with people uh, come forward at this time? And I know that uh, all of us are living in a fallen world. And so there are needs here. And if you need God's grace for anything, if you need healing, if you need wisdom, reconciliation, restoration. And, you know, maybe your marriage needs, needs some intervention from God. You need salvation. Whatever you need.